Good morning, Kirk in the Hills. My name is Pastor Jasmine Spart. It is such a gift to be with you. I am preaching here from the Fort Street Stapleton Chapel, but I am with you all in spirit. Kirk in the Hills, as you know, was where I came, almost right out of seminary, was ordained with you all. And so I am so grateful to the Reverend Nate Phillips for inviting me back and allowing me to preach this summer as part of the Book of Life series. This week, I have picked the Book of Life. The chapter is going to be on Sabbath, but I want to be clear that does not make me an expert. If anything, I am the one who needs to hear this more than anything. My clergy coach and author, Marianne McKibben-Dana, who has preached at Kirk before, she says this about the art of improv. I come to this topic not because it comes naturally to me, but because it doesn't. The same could be true for me and Sabbath. This does not come naturally to me. It does not. But... It feels in our time of pandemic, when everything in the world stopped around us, we were forced to ask the question, what if we had had a practice of rest and stopping all along? Would the pandemic and our forced ceasing have felt any different? And will we choose to continue intentional practices of rest as we go forward? Sermons on the Sabbath have always made me feel guilty, so that is not what I want to do for us today. There's always more it feels like we could be doing. You could set aside that 24-hour period of time of simply rest, no checking emails, no work. You could add practices to your life of being with family every single week, but I personally have never been able to be quite that disciplined myself. But what I'd like to do for us today is to share stories of friends and colleagues who have been able to practice Sabbath and that inspiration for us, as well as, of course, looking at Jesus and his teaching on Sabbath that we heard in the scripture today. In the last few years, Kirk and the Hills members were able to go on pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And perhaps some of you have been there for other reasons on business trips. And if so, you may recall that in many of the hotels, there is something called a Shabbat elevator. Now, Shabbat is celebrated on Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And in the hotels then, the Shabbat elevator would go up and stop at every floor and on the way down, stop at every floor. This was so the Jews who practiced Shabbat where they were not supposed to do any work, including operating electrical equipment, which includes pressing an elevator button. This would allow the Jews to, to go up and down in this elevator and to practice their faith the way they wanted to without having to climb 40 flights of stairs. Most of the time there were other elevators in the hotel, so you didn't have to go to the Shabbat elevator. There was a little sign in front of it that lets you know. But one Shabbat, I and a couple other people did kind of either accidentally or path on purpose, went into the Shabbat elevator and rode it just to see what it was like. It definitely fosters patience in you. You cannot hurry while you're in the Shabbat elevator. And I'm not entirely sure the practicing Jews in the elevator, 
they knew we were tourists, but but they didn't outwardly make any uh, disgruntled <laughs> comments towards us for, for being in that elevator with them just as a tourist. But what I appreciate about the Shabbat elevator is that it shows that all aspects of life can be interpreted through the Sabbath, that even something as simple as riding an elevator is, can be part of Shabbat practices. 50 to 60 years ago here in the United States, my grandmother was growing up in a time where it seemed like the whole country would celebrate Sabbath together. You rested on Sunday because there was nothing else to do. The stores were closed, there was no movies, no football games, and instead you went to church with your family. This was God's day. And so for many, the Sabbath was characterized primarily by what not to do. No working, no shopping, no dancing, no playing cards, all these things not to do. But my grandmother, even though that was her growing up, by the time she became a mother, she added something to the practice. For her kids, there was a candy drawer and she would not let them have candy most days of the week, except for Sunday. Sunday, they got to pick one thing out of the candy drawer. So you both have this sense of absence of practices that you refrain from doing. But then what I love about my grandma's story is that she added this notion of feasting, of joy, of some kind of addition to Sabbath that, that gave, gave the family joy. Candy, you can't go wrong with that. So it may be tempting to be nostalgic about this era of our country where everything was closed around us. But now instead, in normal times, we have to choose intentionally to practice Sabbath while the world moves around us. However, with the pandemic, it's almost as if we have gone back to that era where everything was closed. There's hardly any uh, shopping, if you do shopping, you kind of are in and out. There's no sports or events or anything else. And so all of these things have forced rest upon us. And so for those of us who did not grow up 50 or 60 years ago, it has given us a glimpse of what life was like. And so now we get to choose. What aspects of Sabbath are we going to keep once our busyness increases again? And when rest is not forced upon us, will we choose it for ourselves? The world Sabbath actually has been good for the environment around us, at least in the short term. Air pollution dropped around the world and wild animals roamed the streets. In South Africa, there were lions observed just sleeping in the road. In Haifa, Israel, wild boars came out during the day when normally they would only come out at night. The earth got a rest from our engagement with it, just as God initially rested on the seventh day of creation. But moving to the story we heard today, to Jesus and the New Testament and his treatment of Sabbath, we know that Jesus would of course known Sabbath was one of the 10 commandments. It served as a connection point between the commandments about honoring God and honoring your neighbor. Sabbath is right in the middle and connects the two. 
And on some of those Ten Commandments and others, Jesus would offer a, a, a change in how to interpret them, a twist. And so, for instance, you've uh, the story of Jesus telling them, you have heard it said, you shall not commit murder, but I say to you, anyone who is angry will be subject to judgment. So Jesus has intensified or challenged the original interpretation of the ancient law. But for Sabbath, he doesn't do any of those twists in his teaching. He seems to just assume that the Sabbath laws are, are true for today. However, in his actions, they do speak to some slight change in the interpretation, which is how we heard the story today. Jesus shows time and time again that he prioritizes health and well-being of people over the legalities. He had no qualms of doing the work of healing because it, it fostered nourishment for, in this case, the story of the man with the withered hand. And before that story comes in, in the scripture we heard today, the disciples of Jesus are doing the work, again, of harvesting by simply plucking grain off in the fields and eating it. And so the Pharisees are challenging them that they should not do this kind of work. Remember, the people of God, when people of Israel, when they were in the desert, God provided manna for them. And on the Sabbath, he would provide one the day double portions the day before so that they did not have to do the work of collecting the food on the sabbath and so the people had continued this practice of having a day of rest and preparing food for two days you know the day before so they didn't have to prepare on the sabbath but it seems that jesus and his disciples either weren't couldn't do it this week or were not accustomed to doing this preparation work perhaps because of their itinerant schedule they hadn't been able to find suitable hospitality arrangements for their whole group to eat at Sabbath. And instead of inviting Jesus and his disciples to their own Shabbat meals, as the Pharisees perhaps should have done, they chastised Jesus for doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And that is when Jesus tells them the story found in 1 Samuel 21 of King David. David was on the run for his life, and he and his men are desperate. There is no food available except for the consecrated bread found in the temple. And so the priests that David encounters, they made the decision that even though it is not lawful for anyone but a priest to eat the bread, they decide to give the bread to David and his men. They took the risk of God's potential judgment for breaking the law knowing that David was unique and that he, that they needed to nourish him and be on the side of life in this case. So by Jesus telling the story, he has made the connection between him, him and King David, but he is furthering his own identity by calling himself the son of man, this person they've been longing for, someone who is Lord of the Sabbath, that he can choose to bend and, and turn the, the rules when, because he is the rule maker. He is a special figure and can determine how to interpret these rules and for what purpose. Jesus also models for us a way of letting go of our control 
and allowing God to provide for us and feed us. Jesus tells us the Sabbath is to be on the side of life and goodness and community, to be a time of nourishment and healing. Following rules for their own sake in a legalistic way seems to go against the spirit of Sabbath we are meant to cultivate. Now, as I mentioned, I am not preaching this because it comes naturally to me, but because it doesn't. But I've been inspired by the Sabbath-keeping practices, especially of my colleagues from seminary. They somehow managed to carve out times of rest in the midst of their intense graduate school work. At the time, PhD student Nathan Stuckey was studying Sabbath for his dissertation. He has since written a book called Wrestling with Rest. And he shared with me that if he had to choose between getting all A's in his classes or getting B's and C's and keeping a good relationship with them, he was going to choose the lower grades. And this was important going into seminary. There's so much pressure to get everything right and to, to be good at what you do. But having the Sabbath practice helped Nathan Stuckey and others ground them and keep them reminded of who they were and why they were there. Another inspiring story to me comes from recent author Casper Turkile. I got to know Casper through a podcast he and a fellow Harvard Divinity School graduate created called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Casper recently published a book called The Power of Ritual, Turning Everyday Activities into Soulful Practices. He himself has kept a practice of Sabbath, even though he is not a practicing Christian and is friends with non-practicing Jews. But for 24 hours, he takes a technology fast from his laptop and phone from Friday night to Saturday night. This is what he says about that experience. He writes, as darkness comes, I stand in front of my window and watch the sky for a few moments. Then I light a candle, and while holding it, I sing a song I learned in childhood to enter the magical and mysterious Sabbath time. The moment I put the candle back on the table, I feel it. My shoulders relax, my breath comes easier. Without my tech, there's no music or podcast to listen to, so I'm in silence, often for the first time in days. I am suddenly given the opportunity to look inward. Even for a new wave of young people who are spiritual but not religious, Turkile shows that practicing the Sabbath is good for their health and can center them and teach them who they are. But not only is Sabbath personally beneficial, it is meant to benefit the entire community. Sabbath is an equalizer. Anyone, regardless of socioeconomic status, whether they were slave or free, male or female, they were all able and in fact forced to practice Sabbath, which meant that there was at least one day a week slaves were not forced to work. They had freedom. Their masters had no power over them that day and they were subject only to God. Jesus' healing of a man with a disability showed that for him, Sabbath is meant to foster inclusivity and incorporation into the community and make the world a better place for all. 
And so here at Kirk in the Hills, Pastor Nate will often begin with a refrain that has stayed with me even after months of being away. Welcome to worship. Welcome to the Kirk. Welcome home. Here at Kirk, here at home, we are able to find our rest. We have had this time and space carved out to be safe away from the burdens of making a living and trying to control the world around us, here at home, we are nourished and healed. And because Jesus modeled a way of practicing Sabbath where all are included, we can be challenged to be aware of our neighbors who perhaps are essential workers and not able to practice Sabbath. We can recognize the coming eviction crisis in Michigan and across the country where people are going to be legally removed from their homes, from their places of rest and nourishment and healing. Perhaps our way of honoring the Sabbath is to work toward justice and equality in those areas, to even donate to eliminate medical waste, me medical debt for our neighbors in Pontiac in honor of Pastor Fernando. Knowing Jesus' Jesus's priority on the Sabbath was to heal people of their physical infirmities, and he would also care about the burden of financial bondage that our neighbors are in. So if you choose to include interludes in your book of life, weekly Sabbaths, I hope it edifies you and that you find that by doing practicing a Sabbath practice, you discover who you are and whose you are. You are already undoubtedly doing versions of these things. The trick is now to harness those actions, intensify them, and do them with regularity so it becomes part of you. And by doing this, by caring for ourselves, we can reach out and care for our community, fostering nourishment and healing for ourselves, for our neighbors, and for the entire world. Thanks be to God. Amen.